from Coimbra to Colombia, from Morocco to Miami. We tell the stories of the people who make the world of international law and business turn. We give glimpses into their lives and provide insights from their experience. These accounts come from every sector and every industry around the globe. Simply put, without further ado, I am Chris Campbell, and you're listening to Tales of the Tribunal, where practice meets personality. Welcome back to Tales of the Tribunal with Chris Campbell. Listeners, we have another action-packed episode for you. This episode officially marks the end of our Paris arc, where we were talking to, well, just about anyone who we could in the city and in the world of international disputes. It was a ton of fun exploring the city, and so lovely to have seen and met so many of you France-based practitioners. For those that didn't get a chance to meet, next time, okay? Also, before we get into this week's episode, I have two very special announcements. First, I want to say a heartfelt thank you. As of last week, Tales of the Tribunal officially crossed the 20,000 download mark, notching now at 21.2 thousand downloads. Since the show kicked off back in 2019, I could not have imagined how much the show would grow, how many stories we would tell, and all the things that would be yet to come. More importantly, none of this could be possible without all of you. So, truly, thank you. Second, Quickly Approaching is a special event, a fireside chat conversation with a construction arbitrator, Albert Bates Jr. The event is hosted by the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, North American branch. The event is September 21st at 1 p.m. Eastern, and it will be an interactive stroll through topics related to construction arbitration, life as an arbitrator, and trends in the field. We'll include a link to register in the show notes. You won't want to miss it. All right, now let's jump into today's episode and introduce today's guest. This week's guest is a pillar in the field of international arbitration, especially on the African continent. Her name is Diamana Diawara, and she made a surprise appearance during one of my final visits to the Juice Mundi offices in Paris, and we had a great time. She has been one of the leading voices shining light on the opportunities and capabilities available in Africa and the talent among African legal communities. She serves as the Director for Arbitration and ADR for Africa at the ICC, and she has been oh, just a wealth of knowledge on a number of topics, including operations at the ICC, arbitration across the globe, and across the African continent. I know I say this every episode, but this one really zoomed by. So. Don't go anywhere. Sit back and relax and enjoy my conversation with Diamana Diawara. And we'll see you on the other side of the show. Hello and welcome back to Tales of the Tribunal with Chris Campbell. I'm your host, Chris Campbell, here to tell you another tale, another story from around the wide, wide world of international law, business, and dispute resolution. Listeners, this is a very special episode, not just because it is the final episode that I am recording during my detour trek here in Paris, 
but with a very special guest, a very impromptu guest, but her reputation precedes her. We are very excited to have her in the show. I'm speaking, of course, of Miss Diamana Diawara of the ICC. Hi, Diamana. Welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thank you very much for having me. Great. And we are so happy to have you here. Now, listeners, you'll have seen the advertising we have done ahead of this episode, but we want to introduce you to Diamana in case you're already unaware. So, Diamana, we're going to start with that question that we ask all of our guests. Who are you? Where are you from? What do the people need to know? <laughs> right. That is uh, that is a whole program. So who am I? I am, as you as you introduced me, Diamana Dewara. I am currently the uh, director at the ICC International Court of Arbitration for Arbitration and ADR for the Africa region. Uh, this is a position that I have actually taken starting in January 2021, uh, heading this newly created department for the ICC. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, for almost a decade working in ICC case management teams uh, dealing uh, primarily with cases in arbitration cases, I should say, um, uh, with parties from Africa, the Middle East, and generally Francophone Europe. So I uh, basically am, a, I would say, a product of the ICC house, and that uh, was basically the reason why I think the institution uh, trusted me to carry its voice uh, in the African continent uh, with this new position. Um, so that tells you who I am right now. Um, where am I from? Uh, so I'm a, a Malian French. I'm from a um, um, traditional, I would say, Malian family. I, I grew up in, in France. Uh, my parents immigrated in France uh, back in the 80s, uh, so a, a while back. And um, I uh, come from a family of eight, uh, actually nine. I have eight brothers and sisters. Um, I uh, studied law uh, in Paris and in the U.S. as well. I did part of my degrees uh, in San Francisco, California, a wonderful time of my life, I have to say. Um, and uh, yeah, that pretty much defines who I am and, and where I come from. Wow. No, I mean, that, that's quite a story. I mean, it's, I'm still calling the part of eight or nine brothers, eight, nine brothers and sisters. Is that what you said? Well, we're a total of nine. I get lost myself. We're a total of nine. Uh, so that makes it eight siblings, right? <laughs> Okay. Okay. And so one of those, uh, that group of nine decided to go into international arbitration. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What drew you into this wide world that we all inhabit now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm that one. Um, I, I, I think the, the first thing is that what growing up, I always knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, that was kind of the start for me. Uh, and with the background that I have coming from a Malian family, I mean, French is not my first language. I, I first spoke uh, Suninke, which is my, my father's dialect, and then my mom's Bambara, and before I could speak French when I was a, a child. So coming from a very mixed background with a lot of, you know, uh, a strong sense of, of uh, coming from somewhere else when I was growing up in this French majority, I think I was naturally... Uh, in the legal landscape, I was naturally drawn to international law. 
Uh, and actually, uh, where arbitration, where I came across arbitration was initially through international private law. Uh, that was my real first uh, passion, conflict of laws. I had this wonderful course from Pierre Mayer back in uh, during my studies. Uh, and that, that class was when I decided, OK, I'm going to do international law. It was so amazing, right? Um, and a year later, I think I had a class with Christophe Seraglini in arbitration, still in, in Paris. Uh, and I thought, wow, OK, so this is how you do both international private law and uh, some litigation. And I always had this soul of, you know, this attraction to litigation in me. Uh, I then went on to do a master's degree in Nanterre University in Paris still. And that's when I got um, completely by accident with one of my great friends. We fell across this uh, Vismuth competition, which we had never heard about, which our university had not participated in in the past. And we decided to just like set up a team and participate. Uh, obviously, we didn't make it to the final, but we had this incredible experience, like many Moodsies would tell you, right? We got to learn about not only arbitration, but about the practice of arbitration to meet people in that practice. And, and at the time, we didn't realize how much Paris was a central hub in the practice of arbitration. That's something that I think we both, we all realized much later. Um, and after that experience of the Vismuth competition, I think that it was very clear to me that I would be practicing international arbitration. It, it basically was this one area of the law that was gathering everything I love about being a lawyer. Um, and yeah, and that, that's how I came to it. And then, and then the rest is, is a, a mix of making the right encounters at the right time and convincing people that it was worth giving me my chance. Uh, and people also taking that, uh, that chance on trusting me with, uh, with their job and in particular the ICC and, and here I am. Wow. No, I mean, that's uh, that's the kind of like the storybook uh, entry into international arbitration. Right. You do the Vismut, you get exposed, um, you follow your original passion of international law and it, and it takes you here. That, that's quite remarkable. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to make it sound like it's, you know, a fairy tale. Right. I, I think yeah, I was right. lucky, to be honest. I think I was lucky at the time I was I was recruited uh, by the, the the then council of the Francophone team at ICC, Nadia Dawazé, and the deputy secretary general of the time, uh, who was uh, Jose Ricardo Ferris. And I think I was lucky that they both saw something in me and trusted me. Uh, with a junior position at the ICC, um, and and uh, and and I'm I'm now I can say even more than at the time I'm, I'm extremely grateful that somebody decided to take a chance and 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 give me that opportunity. Sure, no, and I say I use storybook there not to imply that it was easy or that it was a sort of a <laughs> road or anything like that. More to say that uh, I think that when people. Um, imagine what will come after the this. It is at some point working in arbitration. It sounds like that's worked out. Yeah. Um, and of course, I heard the mention of Nadia, you know, a good friend of the show. Um, so, you know, glad to. Yes, to hi, know. Nadia. <laughs> yes, yes. Hi, Nadia. And I, we'll, we'll tag her in the show notes. Um, so so that's all very interesting, uh, Diamana. One thing that I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about um, in these sort of early moments of our conversation 
would be earlier this year, the ICC post COVID um, has this fantastic event that I was watching from LinkedIn and very, very jealous and envious that I could not uh, make my way to, but it was a great event that the ICC hosted in Africa. Can you tell us a little bit more about that project and maybe what's down the pipeline for uh, the ICC in Africa going forward? Yeah, with great pleasure. And and I think you, you're talking about our wonderful um, ICC Africa conference, which took place in Lagos, Nigeria, uh, which we organized thanks to the very skillful work of, of our colleagues uh, in ICC Nigeria, who were uh, instrumental in making that happen. Um, listen, this year's edition was absolutely incredible, and and I'm I'm really hoping it's the beginning of, of an even even greater, um, uh, I would say even greater adventure. Uh, the the Africa Conference has been in existence for six years now, going on to its seventh edition next year. Uh, we because of COVID, uh, when I took the position of director for the Africa region, uh, my first edition of that conference had to be. Uh, online and already that fifth edition was quite exceptional because of the or I should say thanks to uh, the possibility to hold it um, virtually we managed to reach out to over uh, 3,000 uh, participants from everywhere in the world but more specifically from everywhere in Africa. And I think that was the start of really building a dynamic. Uh, and and that's what uh, helped us to make that sixth edition where we were back in person after three years of no you know, physical meetings uh, in Lagos for us uh, because of COVID. That's what allowed us to have, to have such a wonderful uh, uh, conference uh, with you know, it, it was it was a full week basically uh, between uh, two ICC YAF events. Uh, you know, we now have an ICC YAF Africa chapter with wonderful young people carrying the voice of uh, of, of ICC arbitration uh, on the continent, but more importantly, sharing tips and practices and and you know ideas with with younger uh, generations and people who want to be acquainted with with arbitration. So these uh, this group of eight uh, ICC YAF representatives put together uh, two events, one on ESG in Africa and and then a, a more social event focusing on careers in arbitration. Uh, we had a training for practitioners. Uh, this year, our training uh, was uh, specifically uh, dedicated to, um, uh, I'm losing my, my, my mind. I was about to say dispute boards, but that wasn't it. Uh, uh, it, it was, it was a, 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 about uh, damages, assessment of damages in international arbitration. Here I am. Um, and, and we had this great conference two days discussing you know consolidation of arbitration in africa where we come from where we're going where we're at right now um and i think uh the fact that it it the conference attracted practitioners from africa and from beyond africa uh from very uh you know renowned law firms and at the same time also more junior lawyers interested in arbitration is really a testament of the strength of ICC and how ICC can uh, be a driver for arbitration on that continent and get people to meet to connect so that's 
that's what it was. And where we're going next year, I'm hoping is even better because we're going to be celebrating the centenary of the ICC court uh, mm. in, uh, starting in, in January 2023. I won't say much about that because we have a lot uh, in store for uh, for uh, the ICC community and arbitration community generally. But what I can say is that definitely we want to build even more on that dynamic that we've had for the past couple of years with the Africa Conference. And we're expecting our seventh edition to be really, uh, you know, a, a particularly uh, important one. And we're hoping that uh, many of the arbitration practitioners who could not be in Lagos last year will join us. I hope I'll see you there, Chris. Um, well, I'm getting it. Well, whenever y'all can reveal these super secret plans, I want to get it on the calendar. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it will be sooner rather than later. I, I'll make sure to get it out there quickly so that people can get organized. But I'm really hoping to see many more. And, and to have this chance also to have the world of arbitration, to see the strength of Africa, to see, uh, you know, the, the, the youth of Africa, to see how many talented practitioners uh, work on that continent on a daily basis. And we tend to, unfortunately, um, assume or you know, uh, disregard that part of the continent or assume that the skill sets that we have in arbitration would not be fully available. It is. It's not maybe not as widely uh, spread as we have in other regions, but there's clearly a solid, uh, I would say, pool of arbitration practitioners existing in Africa. And, and this type of conference is a great opportunity to showcase them, to give them a voice, to get other people to see them, connect with them, and, and get new relationships going and, and you know, uh, more arbitrations, I guess, and, and, and more efficient arbitrations. Well, that's absolutely right. Um, I think whether it's Africa or South America or the Caribbean, sometimes it's just a matter of letting the rest of the world know about all the talent that's already there. Exactly. That exactly. of course there are people that have the capability that have done complex high level arbitrations. And you know, just to make the assumption those people don't exist just simply isn't the story, isn't the case. I completely agree. I completely agree. But and that's that's I, I think at least that's the mission I've granted myself and I see have given me. I think my role is precisely, you know, to to shed light on these people, to connect them with others, uh and and you know change the narrative. I think that's also what you're doing with this wonderful uh uh podcast is is part of it. I believe that's well, look, that's absolutely what we try to do, <laughs> right? By uh, giving uh, more voices to people that uh, wouldn't necessarily maybe be able to get the spotlight. And at the end of the day, uh, we would love to be able to host, um, do some interviews um, on the ground. So we got to stay in touch about uh, uh, Ooh, events for next year. I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hold you up to that one. Yes, absolutely. And well, look, um, now's a good time for us to take a quick commercial break. So we'll be right back on the other side. Listeners, hey there, it's me, Chris, the show's host, the guy you're listening to right now. Now, we're going to get back to the interview, but I wanted to take just a quick 60 to 90 seconds to ask for your help. Look, while we've got time, you've already got the show open, you're listening to it, and you've got the entire length of this ad to do what I'm about to ask, which is one of three of the following tasks, or more if you really want to. One... Leave a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice. Bonus points if you write 
why you love the show. Second, send the show to a friend or colleague. Literally, it can be a text message, a LinkedIn message, somewhere in between. All you have to do is copy and paste the link to the show and send it to anyone. It can be a mother, brother, sister, cousin, dad, grandparent, coworker, dog, literally anyone. I mean, I mean, they might appreciate it more if they're in the law, but yeah, share away. Okay, and finally, if you've already done the above, thank you. And if you want to do something that's even quicker, like and or comment on the show's most recent comment on LinkedIn. All of these activities help others find the show. It helps us grow and helps us continue to bring great content. It's literally how we get paid. We don't get paid with money, but we get paid with likes and reviews. It helps us keep the digital lights on. Okay, back to the show. And we're back. And um, for those that have been listening since the first half, one of the things that we were discussing was this fantastic event that the ICC had in Lagos, and in particular, how um, it has been a big boon for opening up the gateway to Africa, not only for the ICC, but for the practice of arbitration more particularly. And that is a note I wanted to pick up on, uh, Diamana. Um, one of the things that I've always found interesting, whether it's on the African continent or in the Caribbean, um, sometimes you'll find these situations where users or clients that are based in those uh, regions will have people that aren't from those regions as their counsel. Yeah. And it's striking because it's not like, you know, you know, me working for an Italian company that, you know, they're going to go start hiring like a Belgian attorney or like, you know, maybe, I guess a U.S. attorney maybe sometime, but not some random law firm from Brazil to work on an Italian matter. But all the time you'll see, uh, you know, some English firm representing or a French firm representing folks um, in the middle of Africa or someone that has no connections really aside from the colonial past perhaps. And I, I wonder, is this effort some way of bridging that gap or sort of maybe shifting the tide a little bit in that way? Look, uh, it is, it is uh, something that is more than sometimes, it's actually oftentimes uh, when it comes to Africa, uh, that the, the African clients will choose representation outside of Africa. And there's a reason for that, right? You were referring to the colonial past. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the ties with uh, the lawyers uh, in the former colonial uh, power uh, does uh, create that effect. So it does come from somewhere. And also, we have to be lucid about the fact that although the African continent has many talent, uh, including in arbitration, it is still a practice that is up uh, and con coming and growing on the continent, and you won't find the same amount of uh, possibilities in terms of, uh, of, of you know, representation by a lawyer, of appointment of arbitrators on the African continent than outside. So, in that sense, there's a reason why things are that way. Should they stay that way? Absolutely not. And we are all, I think, at this point clear on that. At least at the ICC we are. Right. Um, and so, where we are working towards at the ICC, uh, of course, the choice of counsel, the choice of uh, uh, arbitrator is not ours. At least most of the time, it's, it's first the party's choice. Sure. But what we can do as an institution is make sure that uh, you know, the pool available to the client grows. And that's where we're working. And an important part of the work that my department does is actually to accompany those stakeholders that the council, the legal um, practitioners are in growing their skills, in, in, in having a better understanding of arbitration. Uh, working on the premise, and that's an important one, 
that Africa is full of, of very talented lawyers. And that's all you need for a start for arbitration. Arbitration at the end of the day, as much as we like to pride ourselves with arbitration, is a procedure. I know that it has its particularities, it has complex parts to it, but it remains a process. At the end of the day, what you need is strong lawyers, and that Africa is full of. Once you've established that, what you want is to identify those strong lawyers who have, you know, uh, the specific law knowledge of some, uh, you know, areas, industry areas, specific industry areas uh, that have the language skills that you need and build on their skills by transmitting to them the knowledge of, you know, the process, the knowledge of uh, the arbitration process within an institution like ICC or any other, any other that exists. And what we do at the ICC, not only for... Uh, those particular uh, legal practitioners, but also for the staff, legal staff of the arbitration users, governments, uh, uh, in-house councils in Africa. We provide them with trainings to understand better the process, to be better equipped to follow the cases. Once they have that better understanding, we are betting on the fact that as the skills grow and as the pool grows, naturally, uh, the clients uh, of arbitration and ADR in Africa will turn towards their African counterparts for those appointments. And one important aspect of that is that ICC very much relies on those colleagues from Europe, from North America, from outside Africa to build that knowledge and to transmit it. And one very good example is that of countries such as you know uh, Senegal, or um, uh, uh, we have that also uh, to some extent in some anglophone countries uh, in Nigeria and others, where the government, for example, when it has a case, will always team up uh, a team of local lawyers with a team of international lawyers. And that's the best way to transmit the Absolutely. knowledge. So the idea for us is the same. We're taking our international colleagues and saying, come with us in that adventure, help us build that pool of African practitioners, uh, see it as an opportunity for yourselves, the African clients will trust you even more. Because at some point for those African clients, and we are at that point I believe, there will be a questioning as to the legitimacy of always going outside the continent. So if you want that work to continue coming to you, it can, but it has to be in, in cooperation with the local lawyers. And that's the whole idea behind what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll say coming from um, the first bar that I had was a mission in South Carolina. It's famously a very small bar. And, you know, if you don't have the ability to sort of walk down, uh, you know, whatever street it may be in downtown Columbia and talk to your client or talk to your lawyer, um, chances are you're not going to have that client very long. Definitely. <laughs> and, Definitely. <laughs> and I think it's the same in a lot of different jurisdictions. So the reality is bringing the client and their lawyers or the arbitrators or the, whoever the institution is facilitating yeah. the resolution of the dispute um, to the back door or to their backyard is um, is the only way to sort of increase that sort of buy-in and trust Agreed. Um, Agreed. for the long term. Definitely. Um, so, so, so then, uh, keeping along with that theme and, and sort of taking it uh, just another two steps further, I think, um, what, what do next steps look like? What do the next few years look like um, on the continent? Maybe that's a big question. Uh, and so maybe, maybe, you maybe, saw my face when you asked the question. <laughs> yeah, what, what, maybe, maybe, I guess, for, to keep it maybe more boxed in to say the next immediate future, what does that look like? What can people expect to see out of the ICC in Africa? Well, the, the immediate future, I think, for ICC, uh, 
at large beyond Africa is, is the celebration of our centenary. I think this is a big step. We have this wonderful institution that has been around for a hundred years uh, that has also changed along the way and I think we want to be able to celebrate that everywhere uh, we uh, we are rooted in, including in Africa. So I'm currently working uh, on that uh, with the, the team at the ICC headquarters, with the president, the secretary general, and also with my ICC Yaf uh, Africa chapter. Um, and uh, we're going to have uh, great, great programs to offer, events to attend, also some a lot of fun. Uh, you know that, uh, you might not know that, but as much as I work hard, I play hard, I love uh, partying. Uh, and, uh, and I think it, 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 it's the, the salt of life and it's part of, uh, of making uh, your, your work uh, attractive. So we're also planning on doing a lot of that uh, next year in 2023. Uh, for beyond that, beyond the celebration of the centenary, uh, I personally would want to see a project uh, in following up on what we are doing right now with the whole door, the door open initiative, which is an initiative uh, that uh, has its pilot program with African lawyers. We've recruited 20 young African lawyers uh, with the Africa Commission and we're placing them in ICC arbitration cases in order to observe. And again, with the, always that idea of, of you know, building skills and enlarging the pool of African practitioners having access to arbitration. And so in that same line of thinking, I'm hoping to see in 2023 a new initiative uh, that we're going to launch for the continent uh, with uh, really practical uh, programs allowing uh, a limited number of, of uh, practitioners because you can't have everyone at the, at the beginning, but uh, a first group that we're going to take on uh, on board and, and offer some very, very high level trainings too. And, uh, and hopefully that will see the light uh, in 2023. So that's the part on the, the capacity building uh, side. Uh, we're hoping to see more initiative of the Africa Commission as well. So I'll, I won't be able to say more right now, but uh, okay. we'll have a few nice well. stuff in the pipelines. Uh, so stay tuned for that uh, and uh, already that will keep us quite busy along with the trainings we've been doing for uh, the staff of the first clients of arbitration in Africa uh, at the ICC who are the governments and we're really wanting to make sure that uh, uh, all parts of the states and their uh, the state-owned entities, their legal staff are properly equipped to, uh, to face uh, the dispute resolution that might come their way or that they might want to trigger using ICC clauses. So we're going to continue that work in 2023. Absolutely, absolutely. And well, I guess the, the sort of last question that I, that I would have and um, sort of on behalf of listeners is, let's say there's, there's someone at home that wants to be involved with some of these initiatives or wants to, to get more active. What's the best way? How do they do that? Very easy. Um, First, the first step is to reach out to me uh, or to one of the ICC YAF Africa chapter representatives. Uh, uh, they are all listed on our website. And I'm uh, reachable you know, on LinkedIn, I'm reachable via email, uh, via the ICC website as well. Uh, I am always happy to hear of new initiatives, especially coming from the African continent. Uh, I, uh, I always, always take the time to respond and I always try to make sure uh, that uh, we uh, follow up and try to support those initiatives that deserve to see the light. Uh, I think, as I said, our role is that of a facilitator, not only 
in the dispute resolution or the dispute prevention, but also in that effort of building a strong uh, network and pool of African practitioners of uh, arbitration and ADR generally. So I see myself as a facilitator and that's why I'm saying I'm always open to hearing uh, from new people, from new places, uh, new initiatives. So never hesitate to reach out to me. Fantastic. No, that, that's great. Uh, and look, um, a lot of good threads, a lot of good seeds that we put there. We'll have to have you come back on the show another time. Um, I hope but, so. But I want to make sure we hit the speed round questions too, because um, I think folks are always interested and they're fun. Um, shifting focus just a little bit, who have been some of your guiding forces, role models, um, anyone that has a sort of, anyone or anything that's had influences on your career, anything like that that you can think of? Yeah, somebody had a big influence, maybe not on my career, but definitely on my on my confidence. And that is a gentleman who is uh, now gone, uh, Carl Selins. Uh, in the very step first steps of my 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 career in arbitration, I had the chance to intern uh, in his law firm. He was still working at that time, and I had the chance to work with him on a few arbitrations. And he really uh, had this wonderful, wonderful softness into him and kindness. And he uh, was always curious about people with different backgrounds, uh, regardless of your seniority. And I think that I learned from him that you know every every single person, regardless of where they come from, uh, provided they're motivated, they're working is worth you know giving a chance to and I, I think that stays with me very strongly um, uh, beyond him of course there are many people who inspire me uh, there are incredible in particular women in that business yes. of ours that I find uh, very inspiring uh, that are also carrying me to be honest on a daily basis guiding me uh, helping me to figure out how to be a mother a successful lawyer uh, you know, a, a, a good leader also for my team, um, and 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 this I I'm of course grateful to, uh, and I would say outside that arbitration world, one author that has been uh, really I think uh, guiding me in my thinking, in my way of living my life is Toni Morrison. Ah, yeah. of course. I'm a big, big fan, of course. And, uh, and I think she sets an example for um, the youth. And I'm talking about very specifically the black youth mm -hmm. and be not just American, uh, black American. I'm talking about, you know, in this world, globally sure. speaking, I think, I think she really has left behind her and a heritage that is extremely important, uh, or at least for me, it guides me in everything I do. So, yeah. No, well, she's certainly a champion, and you've done out some heavy hitters, some big names there. Um, <laughs> uh, how about this one? Um, what's on your bookshelf? What are you reading right now? Right now, I am reading Trevor Noah. Ah, okay. Um, you know that uh, his, his, his memoir, or, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly that uh, that autobiography. Of I don't remember the name of it, but yes, no, no, another one. Yeah. It's gonna come back to me. Of course, it's on my Kindle, so I moved yeah. away from. It's been on my Kindle for a while, actually, if I'm honest. Uh, but uh, it's it's a wonderful book, uh, hilarious. Actually, he's very funny. He's a very funny individual. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what I'm reading uh, right now, and a lot of children's book. Sure. Uh, because I have a four year old and a two and a half, so uh -huh. I spend a lot of time reading children's books, which I love, by the way. So it's not yeah. wasted time. 
but that's uh, apart from uh, from uh, professional readings, that's what I have uh, going on right now. Okay, and let's see. How about music? Who are some of your favorite artists? Some of your genres that you really like? Uh, what kind of music are you? Yeah, into? yeah, yeah. You're going at me right now. So <laughs> I have very, very different tastes, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of uh, Aretha Franklin. Who? Yes. <laughs> Don't get me started. I can't sing anyway, so let's not do that. Um, I'm, uh, I'm also, as, a, as any Malian woman who respects herself, I would say, I'm a big fan of Umu Sangare, Salif Keita, amazing okay. artists uh, from my country. That's what I have going on in my car right now. Mm. And some Disney also music, to be honest. I'm uh, Frozen is yeah. the other one, number one, uh, you know. Are you uh, talking about Bruno? Bruno, yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Bruno has entered my life a month ago. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Very well. Very well. Okay, no, there's some good ones. We'll, we'll include some show notes um, there. Um, listen, we got just a couple of final questions here and we'll, we'll wrap it up. Sure. Let's say you were approached by um, a new graduate, maybe a student or someone that's looking to break into the field, whether they be from Africa or anyone else, anywhere else. What advice would you give them for how to break into international arbitration? Yeah, that it actually happens. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, that, uh, that some young people reach out to me. The first thing I do is I try to have a chat with them. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and that's an advice for this more senior one: is take the time to talk to them, even if it does take some time out of our busy, busy schedules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I, I usually tell them is first to be uh, to make sure that they're rigorous in their work because that's uh, a line of business where it's extremely important to to show quality in the work that you do and attention to detail uh, to be also you know not to fear reaching out the same way they reach out to me I'm, I, I people see that I'm open to you know being contacted so they do it quite naturally and I like that and it's not always the case of every lawyer in our line of business that's I think, true Very you know, true. some of them are, are, are quite you know impressive and, and maybe even scary sometimes so I, I often tell the young ones don't don't be scared and and feel confident enough to speak up and uh, ask and say what you have to say work hard uh, and uh, never tell yourself that you will not make it uh, actually do apply to that job where you think that there's already a hundred good CVs that were sent and there's no point for you to apply, do apply. You might be surprised. Absolutely. You might be surprised what comes out of it. So, and, and if you know someone there, beyond the fact of sending in an application, call that person yes. and tell them of your interest. Never assume that people will know just because you sent in your letter. Mm-hmm. If you can in any way show your motivation in any other way, do it. Of course, respecting boundaries, but do it. Just, uh, yeah, go yeah. for it. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, if someone were to tell me, oh, yeah, Chris, I applied at your organization, I literally would never know. Exactly. You see? You see? Um, so that, so that's, that's, that's the thing. When you're young, you would assume that if you followed all of the, you tick the boxes and you follow the process, it should work out, right? Yeah. And, and that's a great point because I think sometimes people are, feel like it's an unfair advantage if they, like, go talk to someone they know or, you know, use whatever advantages they may have. But no, I mean, because I one, I guarantee you everyone else that is applying is definitely doing it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And two, there's no there's no harm in that. You should use no. what opportunities that you have. I agree. I agree. And, and that message, actually, I, I, I actually make it even stronger when talking to those young practitioners coming from Africa, whether they are on the African continent or from African descent living in, in you know, in, in France, in the UK or elsewhere is particularly that group we tend to 
uh, have that little voice at the back of our heads telling us like, oh no, I should not, you know, I should not be uh, too forthcoming or I shouldn't bother that person. And on the contrary, like make yourself known. Oh yeah. Uh, as I said, there, there, you have to do it in a respectful manner. You, you don't want to uh, make people feel like you are overly insisting, but you do have, you, you should not feel afraid of speaking up and making yourself known. So. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a great one. Um, okay, we are at our, our, our final questions of the day, and here we are with them. Um, first, let's say it's 5 p.m. on a Saturday, on a Friday. Okay. No outstanding tasks that you have to do. You can do whatever you want for the weekend. How, what would you do? How would you spend that weekend? Do I have my kids or not? <laughs> Up to you. You can choose either one. You can choose either one. I'm going to leave it open-ended. Okay, so the mother would say, I spend, I'll go straight home, get in the PJs with the babies and, and you know, have a lovely evening watching a, a Disney movie, watching Bruno for the, the hundredth time in a month. Uh, the woman would say, calling my girlfriends. Yeah, uh-huh. And, you know, going to our favorite spot mm-hmm. in Paris, having drinks, dancing, singing our heads off, and then regretting it the next morning when the kids come at your door at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Voila. But you have the whole weekend, so, you know, you get kind of like an extra day. Okay, day. if I have the whole weekend, I'm going with my husband somewhere. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, no, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and this is the actual final question of the day. Um, any shout-outs, any tips to the cap you want to give, any um, hellos you want to give uh, to the folks listening at home? Oh my God, so many. Yeah. That's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one, that's okay. That's a really tough one. There's too many people I would want to shout out and I would feel bad forgetting somebody, you see. Okay. Uh, but, but if I still have to do one, I would pick my uh, young uh, ICC Young Arbitration Forum, Arbitration and ADR Forum, because we've just uh, rebranded. I saw that, yeah. Yes, of new identity. And uh, I have a wonderful group, uh, which was a group of eight until this morning. It's now a group of ten because we have reunited Africa by Mm. merging the North African representatives into the rest of the continent. Very well. Uh, So my shout out would go to that group, Aisha, Chloe, Mame, uh, Pasquale, Albert, Marx, Perenami. And now we also have Hend and we have um, uh, Iliam who have joined us. Uh, and Tabita from uh, Kenya. So this is the group that I would shout out to if I had to choose one. Very well. And well, look, um, I think that that is probably it for the day. Um, Diamanda, this time went by extremely fast. It went by so fast. Too fast. So fast. Um, thank you so much for coming by the show. <laughs> My pleasure. I really, I'm happy to be on Tales of the Tribunal. I love listening to your show. Uh, I will continue being a very, very uh, attentive uh, listener. And I hope I'll have a chance to come back and have uh, some more discussions with you here, Chris. Agreed. Well, great. Diamana, do you want to sign us off? Sure. I am Diamana Diawara, and there is no disputing if you're listening to Tales of the Tribunal. Thank you, and we will see y'all next time. See? Right? What did I tell you? went by in a blink, right? It felt that way for me too. I pressed record on this interview and then it seemed like we were already wrapping up. Look, I'm gonna tell you this right now. You better keep your eyes and ears open because there's some great events on the horizon in Africa that you won't wanna miss. 
And Diamana has been a great guide through some of those topics and things that are going on from the ICC perspective, but also in the arbitration community and the continent as well. Then, one more plug before we get out of here. A shout out to one of our fellow podcasting friends, the Arb Chat, which is a great initiative mentioned in our episode with Lizzie last week. They are having a very special guest in a couple of weeks, Lucy Greenwood. Lucy is a renowned arbitrator and is the founder of the Green Pledge in Arbitration, a movement to bring more sustainable practices to the practice of international arbitration. The episode will go live on September 15, 2022, and attendance is limited. We'll include the registration link in the show notes, but it is bound to be a great conversation. Congrats, ArbChat. Look forward to hearing it. That's it for this week. Just five more episodes left in season four. And again, we thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for staying with us, for bringing on new listeners and sharing with your friends. It's a huge milestone to pass 20,000 downloads on our primary podcasting platform. And we look forward to continuing to bring you great content for many episodes to come. Tales of the Tribunal is brought to you by Mo Better Solutions. Show music is by Joshua and Jaden Campbell. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, you're listening to Tales of the Tribunal. None of the views shared on today or any episode of Tales of the Tribunal is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any person or party for their appearance on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees appear on an arm's length basis, and their appearances should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.